Hey, welcome back to Software Social. This episode is brought to you by Translate CI. Translate CI is a tool for developers that helps you localize applications with high-quality human translations. It supports over 70 language pairs. Translate CI eliminates the need to work out of spreadsheets, hire translators, and manually merge language files. Instead, with Translate CI, you can just use Git. Just connect your Git repo and Translate CI will pull out phrases, and after a professional translator translates everything, they will merge into your existing code base with a pull request. And every time you push code to your Git repository, Translate CI will pull any new phrases out, translate them, and create a PR back. See how you can turn translation from a hassle into a breeze at translateci.com. Hey everyone, um, I am super excited to have a guest with me today, um, Jonathan Markwell. Um, he is a strategy consultant and also the host of Empathy Deployed, a new podcast about customer interviews, or rather I should say of customer interviews. So he's doing example customer interviews, so you get to be along for the ride as he improves his customer interviewing skill. Um, he is also a longtime listener of this show and was one of the people I interviewed about my book when I was drafting it. Um, so you could sort of say this is a uh, an episode that's like a longtime listener, first time caller uh, sort of episode. So welcome, Jonathan. Thank you, Michelle. It's great to be on. Yeah, it's uh, wonderful to, um, to 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 join you after after listening for so long. I'm really excited to have you. Um, and you know, so one thing that we have talked about a lot and is of course a very big focus for you is, um, the podcast that you're doing. But I think if you, if you could kind of pull us back to like, how did, how did you even get interested in the concept of customer interviewing? And like, like, how did you start working with that in, in your work with, with your clients? Um, I think you know I, I've been aware of of interviewing customers for many many years, uh, maybe fifteen. Um, uh, I actually did a postgraduate degree. I didn't finish, but it was in human centered computer systems, and so an element of the user or customer research would have been customer interviews. Although the style I think was quite different from um, uh, from 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 your style, um, and. Um, and so it's kind of been at the back of my mind, but it's not—it's never been something I'm being particularly comfortable with. So I've admittedly just avoided it a lot. Um, but then, as I've uh, worked with more and more software businesses, um, I found actually some of the um, the the biggest aha moments for us, and the and the biggest um, um, chunks of progression um, that that those businesses have made are actually been a, as a result of what were effectively customer interviews, although um, accidental ones. Um, and so the more I realized that actually maybe if we were doing this more formal and more systematically, like I probably know we should have been doing all along, um, we might have, you know, made uh, made progress significantly faster and, um, and spent a lot less money um, figuring out how to make these different businesses work. Yeah, it sounds like you sort of had these moments where things kind of they sort of unexpectedly 
learned things that were helpful to you and you kind of became hungry to get more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hungry. Um, but then still not, um, not enough to, to, to get into the habit of, of really doing it. Um, every, every time the opportunity came up where it's like, you know, maybe if we did lots of customer interviews here, we might get us past this, this problem that we, that we currently have. Um, and I, you know, I guess it's sort of only from you know, listening to the this this podcast um, and and subsequently reading drafts of your of your book um, that I'm like, you know, it really it, it's not that hard. I just need to get into the habit of, um, of of doing it. I mean, not to say it's not hard. It's just that, come on, John, you need to just get in the habit of doing it and learn this stuff because all the materials there, you've got no excuse now. Uh, it's all laid out in front of you as to, as to, as to how you can do it. Um, and, um, and by doing it often, maybe um, uh, I'll be more comfortable doing it when I need to do it. Um. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. So when, so, so you started listening to the podcast, you sort of heard me extolling the virtues of talking to customers as I am want to do um and so from that point where you started reading the newsletter and the drafts like like at what point did you start interviewing people again uh i'm not sure i know i it was definitely earlier this year i need to look at my calendar i didn't do very many um uh but I did a few here and there um using the the some of the early interview scripts that that you shared um and um and there were people that I already knew but I really wanted to dig into some of their their approaches to um to, to solving their their problems which a customer interview seems to be very um you seem to fit fit well with they weren't my customers and there are people that um I was interested if if there was a product uh, maybe for them that I could help them with um so I was kind of uh I kind of used it used it there um, and then it wasn't until um, I had one client where that I started working with earlier this year, sort of May June time, where it was like, you know, to really understand what's happening here with this, you know, pretty successful, profitable product, but that's not growing so well. We need to um, we need to really understand customers and start talking to them more. And so then we I got a bit more rigorous um, and. Um, and we interviewed um, over the course of a month, I think six or seven um, people. So, what were some learnings that came out of those interviews? Um, the, I think, the main thing I, I I did most of those interviews with the founder of that product on the call with me, so he was observing, um, and. Uh, the best part of it was um, really him hearing firsthand just how happy his customers were with mm. with the product, um, and so you know not having much of that feedback loop because uh, it's a, a developer tool that um, uh, you know he provides great support for and has a lot of conversation with people via chat and an email, but very rarely um, uh, a voice or or video communication and so hearing that um 
yeah, those 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 people really did get a lot of value out of that, and it and it was the great product I knew it to be as well because I happened to be a, a, a customer of his in in the past. Um, uh, that was um, that's pretty wonderful. Um, and then hearing how they described the situation that they were in without the tour um, before it, um, and the um, the experience that they went through um, to um, to come to the conclusion that they needed his product, and they you know and settled on it long long term. You know, I think when you're like when you have a product like this can be one of the most sort of rewarding parts about doing interviews is, you know, you get a lot of support requests every day. You're used to hearing about bugs. You're used to hearing about feature requests and all these kinds of things. And rarely do you get an email. And sometimes it does happen, but rarely do you get an email from someone that's simply just them effusively praising the product and talking about what they used before and how this is so much better than what they were doing before. And, and I think for us who are, you know, founders who are, you know, wearing a lot of hats ourselves, it can just be just so motivating um, to, and, and, and rewarding to hear, wow, like we really are helping people and they, what they were doing before does sound terrible. And now this is easy for them and they're grateful to us. And I think it kind of takes you out of that mindset of just sort of, you know, seeing an endless parade of, you know, help tickets or GitHub issues or whatever that is into being like, hey, like, no, we're, we're really making a difference for people. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I know, I know people that have worked in uh, businesses that are much closer to people, um, like agencies or where there's a high touch sell so much of the energy that those people get is from that interaction with with customers and feeling that that loop um and it's uh yeah it's strange that so many of us that are more working in um very low touch sales or self-service uh situations where often the customers don't want to get on the phone um that you miss out on that that whole back and forth um and 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 don't get that benefit from Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. absolutely so let's fast forward a little bit to your podcast, because I'm really curious about, um, you know, sort of the caveat of your, or not the caveat, but the conceit of your podcast, rather, is that um, you are learning alongside the listener, which I love. Um, and and so I'm curious, so, you, so you've done about, you've done, a, you've done a handful of episodes at this point, Um and I'm curious what you feel like you have learned and, and what you've noticed um, in how you do interviews in that time. Um, that's a good question. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to take an opportunity to, re- to reflect um, on that, I guess. Um, a portion of the people I've interviewed I know quite well so I started off with people that I knew quite well and um and so um I found it you know really insightful learning things about that I've known them for years and yet I learn about how they're making some of their decisions and they're quite different from what I um what I had guessed or what I had expected to learn from them by going so deep into one particular topic and and really listening um uh the there's also a bit of a strangeness around these 
this particular um, approach to customer interviews, they feel quite different always because I know that there's going to be other people listening and the other per- and, the, and the other people involved do. So I'm not quite as relaxed um, as uh, as I am or I have been in other um, customer interviews that are just being recorded for for me and and people I know know well to <laughs> um, to, to to listen to or take notes on afterwards. Um, but um, yeah, I just. Uh, I love the fact that I just I'm learning new things um, about people um, that I that I w- wasn't expecting to learn from from each episode, uh, and um, and as I um, listen um, more critically to my to myself, I guess in these um, when I'm listening back because I'll I, I do I'm doing all the editing myself and I'm listening back. Um, I'm very lightly editing, really. I've had to take my dog out a few times, who uh, goes berserk um, uh, when anyone's at the door. Um, but um, I guess I'm listening just as much, more so, to my approach to interviewing with these ones than I have with previous customer interviews. Uh, and so I'm kind of more kicking myself about things that I didn't ask, um, and hopefully getting better at remembering some of the things to to add in later also realizing that i um i'm using maybe some things as a bit of a, a crutch and i've had i've had some feedback from other people that maybe um i uh i'm, I'm using the same response very often and it might not be help helping people open up as much as um as uh as they as they might if i tried a little bit harder with my responses or or you know made them feel a bit more natural what is that response that you tend to fall back on? Uh, I think it's um, that makes sense. Mm. Um, I mean, that's one of the ones which, in my book, so it sort of makes, yeah. it makes sense that you would. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, but I've had a specific feedback. Says, you, you know, if you said this in that situation, then you know, you might they might have opened up a little bit more. Um, mm. And uh, I've actually, um, I've printed out. I don't have them here now, but the. Um, uh, I have a sort of crib sheet um, for each episode where I've um, sort of made in very big font um, a lot of the affirmation or responses that you suggested in the in the book, mm-hmm. and that one is the top of the list and it's biggest because it's the shortest phrase I think, <laughs> and so it's so easy to go to. It's like I uh, say that to, to keep the conversation going, and you know the the conversation um, does continue, and they've you know I've, I've I'm yet to to hit the um, the the, the challenge that I know um, Colleen spoke about a lot where um, the the conversation just um, just feels like it's ended after after 10 minutes I've experienced that once with a with a customer where it wasn't really set up so well as a customer interview um, but I've I've not um, experienced it on the podcast yet fortunately mm-hmm. I think it's interesting I mean you're doing this in public which you know, is so vulnerable of you to do that and, and opening yourself up to other people saying, hey, you keep repeating that. Um, but I think it's so valuable because, you know, when I was learning to interview, I had, you know, people I was working with who were very experienced in this t- to give me that nudge too of like, hey, like may- maybe try to say this instead next time. Like it's so valuable to have that. Um, and you're kind of turning that on its head a little bit by having an audience that it, that is telling you like hey so you said that makes sense so can we turn to this other thing maybe you should have said yeah i can see why you would do that that way 
and then let it hang, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're still getting those nudges, but you're kind of getting it publicly. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's really interesting because, because I, I, I wonder if you're helping listeners realize what phrases they might say often when they're talking to people. And, and, and maybe as you said earlier, you know, you're kind of a little bit more nervous because it's in public. And so you're just kind of jumping to that first easiest sort of most convenient phrase Hmm. when otherwise you might be a bit more natural. I hope so. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I, 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 one of the reasons that I um, really felt that I needed to make this podcast and um, made it happen is that every time I thought about it, it's like, it's a podcast I wish I was I've been listening to for the last ten years, and and I wish I'd been recording for the last two. And I just know that you know even if no one listened to it, I would have uh, you know I'd have more insight and I'd be better at doing this thing that I find um, quite quite awkward. And you know, ten years ago, me or fifteen years ago, me, if I had this to listen to, I would have you know hopefully um, yeah le- gain gain from it both in terms of understanding good and bad ways of of um, uh, of interviewing customers, but also having lots of insights into some real um, situations, which maybe I could could have built products for or or explored more deeply. Yeah, worst case scenario, you have an audience of one person, which is yourself, and you're getting something out of it, no matter what. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious: Have you interviewed your own customers or your because your clients, customers, I guess, because you, so you work with a, a, a probably like a handful of different small companies, right? Like yeah. in this sort of indie SaaS business kind of space. Like, have you interviewed their customers since you started the podcast? Yeah, so I've interviewed their two two of my clients. I've done it with. So one I've already mentioned, um, and. Uh, another um, less formally um, so it's more that uh, we've got an opportunity to talk to someone who may become a customer or who is a customer and I try and make it more of a customer interview than a sales conversation because I think there's more to gain from it and everyone's uh, happy to to sort of have me lead in and do that for most of the conversation which mm-hmm. has been helpful um, to to understand um you know what what they're what they were looking for um uh um yeah and i haven't um someone asked me this recently um it's interesting because the 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 sixth episode of um my uh podcast i'm being interviewed by someone who's interested in my experience of interviewing people so it's a very meta episode um a little bit and uh and so so this came up uh uh, a little bit um in in that episode um which is that um i realize i've i'm not yet for i've not yet formally customer interviewed my clients um or uh members of my co-working space which uh as a sort of side business that i run as a as a co-working community in brighton but i've not actually used it in that in those two situations um yet i have more informal conversations with them and and i work so closely with the clients in particular that i'm not it might be a bit awkward i mean um yeah i don't but maybe i should do that and uh and 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 put myself through that situation even um 
that though it's a bit different from what I've usually used customer interviews for in the past. Well, I sh- should say two of the inter- the people I've interviewed are actually members of the co-working space. It's just I've been interviewing them about their use of other products rather than um, uh, their use of the of the co-working space. In the hardly 20 minutes we've been talking, I feel like I've heard you mention in different ways, three or four different times, this fear of something being awkward. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's pretty front of mind for you when when you're having these conversations or whether it's an interview or even something else yeah it's not um my preference to talk to people I guess um and I I I kind of uh I like bearing on my head in code um like I will spend days at a time uh doing that and um uh, you know, making conversations happen on a one-to-one basis with people, I just, uh, for some reason, struggle with. And I've heard other people say say similar things, and and it may be um, an element of um, my own neurodiversity um, um, or divergence, which uh, uh, is uh, it makes me feel that way, or it might be the weird experience of the last. Um, couple of years um but i'm uh you know i'm I'm, i a lot of people say that i'm someone that has quite a wide network and i'm known by lots of people and so therefore i must communicate and talk with lots of people and feel very comfortable doing that but i've i've kind of hacked my way to doing it by organizing events or or running a co-working space and that means that mostly people come to me asking me (laughs) questions and that starts the conversation and uh, you know, and it's always easier if it's over a few drinks or something like that. That can take the edge um, off uh, off off a more relaxed conversation. But when it's um, when it's formal and it's picking up the phone um, uh, or or organising a Zoom call with someone, it's just not something that that comes naturally to me or something that I look forward to doing. Um, I'm even guilty of that with family, um, to be honest. Um, uh, I'm very bad at, at speaking to family. Um, regularly uh yeah usually the conversations are uh, are started by them rather than me going going out to them i think it's very normal you know to 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 feel this awkwardness and you know i'm just thinking back how you know it it takes inertia to start interviewing customers it feels it it, to everybody regardless of, of how much they like talking to people it feels like strange and very different um, at first, because it's not really a conversation and you really have to be convinced that like it's something that's worth doing. And I'm all the more struck by, you know, now more deeply understanding your sort of, um, e- your perspective on, on having conversations with people in general that it's really quite remarkable that it must have, it, it must have taken so much inertia have been those insights you got from those accidental interviews that you did those must have been so compelling in order for you to take on this effort of learning how to interview them and 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 dealing with that awkwardness like the, the the risk reward ratio there like it must have been like the 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 reward of it right like must have been that great that you were willing to 
deal with all of that. And then now on top of all of that, you have a podcast about doing this. And I'm just sitting here kind of like amazed and in awe of the uh, transformation that you have gone through and how much you have stepped outside of your comfort zone and, and really pushed your um, pushed yourself to do this despite it feeling so against your sort of uh you know normal habits and and perspective on on talking to other people it's it's just it's 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 remarkable and i don't know if you have stopped to really appreciate yourself for for that transformation that you've gone through um no i mean that's very it's very kind to say i mean you know the probably quite selfish forces at, at will here i've i've um <clears throat> if we talk about the pull towards doing it um like I, i've tried other approaches to 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 research and um i i guess maybe i'm not as good as other people at detecting strong signals of sort of a, a willingness for a for someone you know a demand for a a product or service from um uh from from reading um research or or, the, or doing all the other work that, that is required to to really understand an audience that way i mean i've learned from um people that are absolutely brilliant at this like alex hillman and, and amy hoy and taking their course was a huge uh you know leap for me um in in my understanding of how people um understanding how people view the world and how they um may become customers of a, of a product or want a product or want, you know have, have a willingness to pay for something um and that actually really helped with identify a uh a problem um, in one of the businesses I worked with, um, but it was ultimately a customer interview. Um, so it was the combination of the two that actually brought it out because the audience that we were working with, we didn't really find them hanging out online and, and talking about this problem online. Um, and it was when we uh, went into an office um, of a few of customers of a CRM that we had built uh, and talked to them about it and really listened not to the people that we'd sold to but the people that were being asked to use this tool that they told us you know we really want the reports that come out the other end we don't want to do all the the uh, building of you know creating this uh doing this whole workflow in the crm to get there um and you know that's the the quick reflection it took a bit more to really understand that but that turned a business that had 10 customers that were hardly using the product and was probably going to churn soon and, and were really hard to onboard into a business that now has 1,800 customers paying between $99 and $499 a month. So, you know, wow. pretty solid business with 10, 10 employees as well, high profit, high margin, you know, the self-service, wonderful SaaS that um, uh, any indie hacker would love love to have um and so the, there's that's a pull for me is mm -hmm. the you know if you if you can understand a problem um that an audience are having um and really find that you know have those moments where you can see that's actually what their problem is it's not what you thought it was um that can just be so transformational um and and be very financially 
rewarding and also you actually just get to help loads of people in a way they want to be helped rather than trying to give them something you think they they want you know it's sort of it's sort of ironic right because you said that business is a a self-serve SaaS with over a thousand customers and you know I, I think that is the indie hacker dream and but the irony of that dream is that in order to build a business that people intuitively understand, they sign up for it without talking to you, they have minimal support requests, they just pay you every month, right? You actually need to get out and really talk to some customers. And it doesn't have to be all of them. But in order to build that kind of a business where people can just use it and pay you and not need to talk to you, right? Like, you really need to understand what is it they're trying to do. And especially in those early days, figuring out like what are the friction points and what do they really want to do? And, um, and so you need to make this investment in, in, in talking to people. Um, but you can still have a business later on where you don't have to talk to them all that much. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. So it's in, in pursuit of the dream of, having the wonderful kind of product, product business that that I think many of the people listening to this podcast would want, um, that you've, you've you know, do, doing some of that um, talking thing and, and, and the high-touch stuff, which is what you don't want to be doing long-term, is the way to get there, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, we, we've talked a lot about your podcast and your journey with customer interviewing. What questions do you have for me? So I was very hopeful that I could uh, get get more of your impression on the on the podcast and my approach to um, uh, to interviewing and 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 I'm trying to phrase this right um, because I know that you you don't want to be the the police of um, of, of how people uh, do customer interviews. I do not but... want to do the empathy police. That's not a role I'm going to do. <laughs> but um, but I'm curious as to how you know there are some standout um, moments in some of the episodes that you've listened to so far where you would have you would have done it differently or you would suggest I could try it differently um, next time uh, mm. in a similar situation. I think I mean there's always so many different directions you can go in, right? And I think you know the 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 thing about your podcast is that you're not really interviewing anyone with an agenda, right? So you know you interviewed someone about um they were like a they were a customer of a VPN service, is that right? I don't remember which yeah. one. And you know, if I'm thinking about creating a VPN or I already run that company that's the one he uses right like my perspective on what I want out of that interview and the questions I'm going to ask are going to be very different um mm -hmm. and how you steer that conversation um and so I wouldn't say that you've done anything wrong and you know there's a lot of cases where you ask the question that I really wanted to know the answer to and it's so it's always like really exciting because then it's like oh yeah I really I was hoping he was going to dig on it and then he did yes um and, and I, I am I am <laughs> interested in in sort of understanding you know I think what that journey has like been like for you and 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 it sounds like you you have been getting that feedback from listeners of hey you know you were saying that phrase a lot and you know try this again or you know try this other thing um 
you know, I've given you some feedback on audio quality and whatnot, but I think that's, you know, that's very normal, especially for the early days of any podcast. I mean, this podcast, like I didn't have a proper mic for like the first two months because I didn't know if anyone was going to listen. <laughs> and then it turned out people did. So I got a real mic. So thank you for suffering through that with me. Um, you know, because I guess you're, you're also you're learning customer interviewing. You're also learning how to like run a podcast as well. So it's like you're, you're learning two separate skills at the same time. Yes. Been pretty painful. I mean, I I knew audio was a challenge, uh, and so I got recommendations for for kit very early on, and 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 got myself a decent mic. But the my main failure point actually on on there. So if anyone else is starting and uh, a podcast with guests on, is like brief your guests, uh, make sure you know, figure out a checklist for them to um, to to make sure their audio is as, is as good as, as possible. Like make sure they're wearing headphones and, and little things like that. Cause most of the people I've interviewed haven't been on podcasts before. Um, and they don't have any, um, any, any professional kit for, um, for, for doing audio recording. Um, so they, they need a, they need a bit more, more help. Um, and it's actually, that's helped with customer interviews as well. I've had some customer interviews, which where the audio quality has been really bad and I haven't, um, which has made it difficult after the fact um, to take notes and things. And and so that, that sort of briefing might help with um, in those situations as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a sort of a trade-off between, you know, in doing it as a podcast, right, is because I've definitely had customer interviews where people are doing the dishes, they're eating, they're driving, like they're there was one customer interview where someone was on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean and I was like, <laughs> is this still a good time to talk? And they were like, yeah, sure. It's fine. We're just, we're, we're pulling into port. So I got like 45 minutes to kill, like no worries. Like, and I was like, okay. Like, and you know, the kind of signal kept going in and out and like, that's like, that's authentic, right? Like, like background noise is authentic um, right. and distractions are authentic and that's what you might experience. But for a podcast, you know, you need it to be as as quiet as possible. Um, and so I think that's kind of a like a challenge of, you know, of how authentic do you make it, right? Like, um, you know, in a movie, you, you never see anyone going or talking about going to the bathroom, right? Even though that's part of everyday life. And so it's sort of like that. It's like, okay, well, if they had their air conditioner running in the background, like, that's authentic. And I was genuinely having trouble hearing them, but like how much of that authenticity do we put the audience through? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's the same with edits and I'd be interested to hear what your, your thoughts on this are. It's like, this is quite common, I think in podcasts now, especially it's fairly easy with tools like Descript to remove ums and ahs, um, from a, from a podcast. Uh, it makes all of us sound smarter and I know I am an awful lot um there we go so um uh i i kind of i was messing around with editing early on saying should i take these out and i went and did a version that was taken out but it just felt so unnatural i, went, I probably went too far with it um and i'm not a professional editor and so um i'm not sure if i should do that with these interviews or not and i'm just going to give them a very light touch um so far yeah i think on that i would i would err on the side of not editing and not editing out the ums and ahs because they are authentic and also 
I think I think you sent me two versions of one of those early episodes and um when it was edited to remove the pauses and remove the ums and ahs like there were points when it almost sounded like you were interrupting the other person and I was listening to it and I was like that just doesn't sound like how he talks and how he would run an interview and never mind that's also like in an interview like the pausing is really important like you know, if we had edited out the ums and ahs and pauses in the sample interview, I don't think people would have quite grasped how important that pausing is, right? Like the the the, the pausing is almost a, a you know a form of speech in an interview because mm-hmm. you need to let things hang. Um, and so I I would I would veer on the side of not editing. Um, even someone's dog barking in the background, like that, that happens. Um, and I mean, I mean, for this podcast, right? Like we, we, we were editing out ums and ahs for a little bit and then we kind of stopped because it's like, you know, people are listening because they want to hear a conversation between people who, two people who enjoy talking to each other and Mm -hmm. in any, a normal conversation, there's going to be pauses, we're going to say like and um and ah uh, and all those other things like exactly right there, you know. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think there's sort of this for, for you, I feel this like push and pull between authenticity and listenability and like where is that line? Yeah, I think I'm currently of the conclusion that I'm, I'm going to keep it very light. Um, and I'm not, I'm not expecting anyone to really listen to every single episode. It's more of one to dip into where there's an, a, you know, a person that's in a role that you're interested in hearing from, or a, we're talking about a software product that you're interested in hearing a perspective on and you might dip in and out of it. So I'm just going to keep going and not really expect people to be listening to every single episode, um, as I do, because it's, yeah, maybe it isn't an easy listening podcast like, like many others are. So if people do want to listen, where should they go? Uh, so you can uh, search in your favorite podcasting app for Empathy Deployed um, or um, visit empathydeployed.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming by today. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited for the wonderful resource you are creating with the podcast thank you for inviting me on and thank you know thank you for all the things that you've been doing over the last year that's inspired me ultimately to to do this and been so supportive of uh, of me doing it and even provided the name for the uh, for the podcast so um thank you yeah i guess we should make it clear that i endorse you using <laughs> a similar name to my um to my book but i think i mean I, that, that's one thing that people kept asking for was more customer interview examples and even you reached out to me asking for that and I was like that's a great idea um but I don't have time you should do it yeah and uh and then a few weeks later you're like okay maybe (laughs) (laughs) um well awesome thank you so much Jonathan um it's been it's been really great chatting with you and uh, excited for more episodes of Empathy Deployed thank you Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, 
Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of WorkCited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.